I'm Chuck Norris, and I approve this game. Between the time when gamers played with miniatures and chainmail, and the rise of the Wizards of the Coast, there was an age of advanced role-playing undreamed of. And onto the Skygas, destined to bear the jeweled crown of TSR upon a troubled brow. It was given to teach us all how to roll for initiative. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome to the Roll for Initiative podcast, volume number three, issue 133, the Roll for Initiative holiday special, folks. I'm DM Vince, sitting alongside DM Nick. Hi, everyone. And DM Chad. Yo. We are back. This is our holiday special spectacular. There. There's your announcer voice for you, Chad. Hey, I like that. That's, <laughs> well, that's simply nifty. fantastic. I'd say that's just holiday spectacular. That's right. <laughs> so, Nick. Yes. What have you been doing? What have I been doing? Good question. Uh, let's see, been doing the uh, Game of Thrones campaign sort of thing, my friend Jeff, and and that's been going really well. And Are you uh, actually doing the Green Ronin Game of Thrones, or is it just something you kind of concocted up? Well, it's it's something that he concocted. It's kind of like Game of Thrones in that way. It's very oh. human-centric. Okay. So, but... So everybody's depressed and dying and having... No, over- actually, <sighs> things have gotten rather interesting now that I've... I'm playing a a knight who's kind of a <laughs> he's kind of a jerk. I'm playing him very arrogant. So so you're what house of um, um, uh, the Lamas? What's the heck? Name well, there? it's it's not the same kind of game world. It's it's, oh. it's science kind of in the in the same vein as Game of Thrones, and just like um, it's mostly humans. Some like halfling type race. <laughs> But there are no elves really to speak of, or dwarves. Or if, the, if there are dwarves, they're very, very rare. But that's been going well. And um, let's see. Last month we did uh, Temple of Elemental Evil again for the uh, for the uh, my my daughter's friends their campaign. That's going real well. So that's always a good one. Yes, it's been going great. So that's been pretty much it. Okay. I just finished up uh, Dragon Age with my group, so we're done with that for now. We're moving on to Shadowrun. So have some Shadowrun, which yeah. edition? Uh, the newest one, fifth. Oh yeah. Okay. I I was lobbying for second edition because I have all those books and I love second edition, but everyone wanted to go with fifth edition since it's supported and it's so new and they streamline combat. So. Hmm. Well, I just got uh, in the mail my. Uh, my nice wood wood uh, original D and D box set deluxe <sighs> reprint. Ah. Lucky, yes, lucky. Yeah, it's I I can't look at it though. It's uh, we wrapped it up. That that has to wait till Christmas morning. Oh, that's your Christmas present to yourself. That is that is my Christmas present to myself. Awesome. And it's awesome because it's you know the one the box itself is is really nice. 
uh, and two, it has not just the three core books that came out in the original white box, but it also has all the supplements that came out, such yeah. as Blackmore. Oh, good. Eldritch Wizardry, all of that. So you get all of that in that box. and it, That's it, awesome. It's really a neat deal if you've ever wanted to to try to play the old white box. Uh, I want it's to it's a great time. way to get into it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I want to do that one time. I hope to get – it's on my Christmas list, but I don't think I'm getting it for Christmas. I, I'm guessing I'm going to have to wait till I get it for my birthday in March. Oh, well. And what a fine birthday gift that will be. Yes, it would. You know, I could wait until then. But, yeah, I want to play that, too, just just for the hell of it, to see how it goes. Hmm. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if I want to spend the money for it or not. So, I'm Well, on the if line. you take a look at what – if you wanted to get, say, the uh, the original white box yeah. uh, and you were looking at eBay, yeah, uh, you're looking at probably over $1,000 with all the supplements in the wood grain box. Uh, whereas this, you're looking at, I got a good deal on mine. I got mine for right about $85. They're averaging about 130 but that's still a lot. Yeah, I think on price. Amazon it was like about 100 Yeah, somewhere around there. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I'll have to decide. You know you want it. You know, uh, you know, I'm more of a first edition person slash, well, you know, BX type person. So, well, yeah, but just for nostalgia's sake, and well, I just have to have it on the bookshelf. I actually have a, a, a wood grain replica box that somebody designed for me. So, oh, as a nice little favor. Well, that's cool. Oh, yeah, I guess as a thank you, he sent it to me. So I, I appreciate it. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's head into some sage advice. Okay. Sage advice. So we have sage advice this week. If you want to contact us, you can contact us via voicemail, 570-865-4210, the hotline. Or you can email us, staff at gmail.com. You can stop by our website, rfipodcast.com, and go to contact us or email the show, email the host, whatever. And uh, you can just fill in your information, and boom, you can send us an email. Or you can go to OSRGaming.org and uh, chat with us in the forums, because we're always there. Especially Nick. I've been known to pop up there from time to time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I pop up there now and then, too. Yes, as uh, as more and more people get to like you, Chad, you show up more and more on the forums. He has one fan. Yes. He has one fan. I, I, I got a fan. I'm, I'm starting to win him over. Slowly but surely. Hey, that's how I got married. Wore down, huh? Yeah, yeah. Mm, I, mine too. I, yeah. I eventually won her over to my side. Yeah, I just wore her down, just said, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? No. <laughs> they said, can't beat them, join them. Yeah. Well, you got a voicemail, guys, so let me just play that for you. So sit back and relax. Hi, my name is Ken. I love the show, and... um Love that it's keeping going. I was just listening to the part about you talking about 135 coming up. Uh, but I wanted to mention uh, you've recently had done reviews about the anomalous subsurface environment, which is, in fact, a very awesome product to have the level one first book. Um, but what I wanted to mention is, in regards to that product, the uh, the map. There's you know the main 
mega dungeon of the Namos subsurface environment itself, and it's the main city. But it also outlines a lot of surrounding areas, uh, villages, and regions where there's uh, wizards' towers and things like that, that make it open to tie in other modules to it. So, like, for example, say you wanted to, uh, your players had diddled around, uh, but they wanted to change the pace, you could make one of the villages, for example, uh, the village of Hamlet or something like that, or you could, um, and, and to use modern modules, um, I don't know guys, if you heard of the, the, the module by Matthew Finch called Demon Spore, you could make that where, in the area where one of the wizard's towers are. There's one of the villages is at the bottom of a pit, uh, and I think it insinuates that there might have been a prison there. Well, there's a, a Stonehill dungeon. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but there's reviews for all of them at tensofpole.org. Um, but it's a, it's a mega dungeon with where the pages are all in the, the one-page dungeon format. Um, so you could, if you had something that you wanted to, you could use anomalous subsurface, subsurface environment as your tent pole and tie in all kinds of other things. Like you could even if you wanted to take something like Descent into the Depths of the Earth, that map, and have somewhere in the in the, the lower levels of the anomalous subsection environment lead into that and just take your characters in a whole different way if you thought they were getting bored with what you had in ASC itself. So the, I, I just wanted to mention that not only is it a great product unto itself with all kinds of um, just really clever and unique and fresh ideas to inject life into old-school D&D, but it's because of the way the map is constructed. You, bet you, you could do a hex crawl, you could say even, um, and tie in other modules into it with very little work to match it up or have it logically make sense so that you weren't breaking immersion. And, and so there's just another bonus to that product itself um, and a couple of plugs for other products that I hope maybe you guys will consider getting to review being uh, Demons 4 and uh, Stonehill. So anyway, love the show, love you guys. I also love the Marvel Superheroes review. I uh, would love to hear you guys, if you're going to uh, review other old-school games like that, uh, we'd love to hear more of that, too. Because, um, you know, like, like the top secrets and the Call of Cthulhu's and whatnot. And, Nick, one big question. How would you take some of, like, for example, the insanity stuff of Call of Cthulhu and incorporate that into a D&D game? Because you, you come across some pretty horrific monsters that, you might get out an interesting element by throwing that little risk of going crazy to any characters. Is there a way to bridge the two that you've come across, or would you consider? And anyway, take care. Bye. All right, thank you. Uh, so, Nick, you want to address that? Yeah, actually, I could address both, but let me go with the uh, uh, sanity thing. Um, actually, that's a really good question. I I considered that a while ago. I was designing a um, Hyborian AD&D campaign at one point, kind of taking the world of, uh, of of Conan and porting over AD&D material into that and running a whole campaign around that. Uh, I got some ideas from some people online who've done it and kind of mishmashed some other things. And one of the things I did incorporate was, was sanity. And um, one of the things I did for that was if I can find it is um, I kind of took the idea from Call of Cthulhu for that right uh, and how how they do it 
for for Call of Cthulhu. If I can find my notes here, um, couldn't you just incorporate? Uh, well, borrow from the Ravenloft box set from Second Edition for fear check. You could do that. Um, that if work, you have right? that material, which I do not have. But, oh wow! Yeah. I so do. I kind of like with, with what I I knew I had, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, let me uh, let me go with um, let me go with uh, the uh, with what was in um, Call of Cthulhu, which was you know an offshoot of of Chaosium's basic role playing mm-hmm. rules. Right. So if I remember correctly, uh, Sanity is based off of a stat. Oh, let me remember. I don't remember what it was in Call of Cthulhu, what it is in Call of well, Cthulhu. But take, a, take a second to, to look that up because I know Chad wants to well, jump in. Well, your Sanity yeah, is, is – I mean, it's not so much based off a of stat. You actually – you have a uh, – you roll your Sanity in Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. And, and, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's your Intelligence – and wisdom divided by two, and then you multiply it by a number, if I remember correctly. That's the formula for sanity. That's your starting sanity, if I remember correctly. I might be wrong on that. (laughs) But you were going to say something about anomalous subsurface environment. Me? I think Chad Chad was. I thought... Oh, you know what? Yeah. Well, actually, I would like to address that, uh, and I'd also like to to talk about the bridging of uh, a Call of Cthulhu type sanity bending adventure into D anD. d You know, first, uh, I'll just say that yeah, with the anomalous subsurface, uh, it, it's interesting because uh, you know if, if you wanted to do something in D anD. d focused around that, uh, I think you know one place you could look would be. The old white box supplement, what was it? Supplement two or supplement three? Uh, Blackmore, uh, because if I'm correct, uh, and I haven't read a lot into anomalous subsurface, but it, it seems to be kind of a, a of a, a futuristic kind of a Jack Vance kind of world inhabited. It is. It's by. it's a real like, Gonzo thing. I got both the. Yeah, it has like doesn't it have great. dinosaurs in it? Oh yeah, lasers and yeah. dinosaurs and, and so goblins. you, you can go a couple of different routes with that. You could kind of you could you could Blackmore was kind of an odd one because uh, it had a lot of uh, it had a lot of like super science in it, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and uh, you know, I, expedition to Barrier Peaks, I think, is is was associated to Blackmore, if I'm not mistaken, and that mm-hmm. was you know about a spaceship. Uh, you could you, you could really draw from Gamma World, uh, you know, uh, to do something with that. Uh, so that though that might be you know my first uh, thing to say would be look no further than perhaps Gamma World or, or Blackmore. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading it up on that and maybe incorporating elements of those into anomalous subsurface. Uh, but uh, now, as far as the sanity bending uh, uh, topic. You know, there is a way to incorporate that, uh, I think, very elegantly into uh, your campaign. Uh, and, and you don't, you know, obviously you could go to, if, you, if you're if you lucky enough to have a copy of Deities and Demigods, it covers uh, the Cthuloid, you know, the Cthulhu mythos. Ooh, mythos. Yeah, I got that uh, one, too. Is in that. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's one way, obviously. That, that's kind of a, uh, an obvious way you could do that. Uh, but another way you could do that is to is to center your campaign 
around creatures uh, like the Abolith or the yes. Mind Flayer. Abolith, uh, Mind Flayer, Sahuagin. Exactly. And I think there you're getting into the same kind of amorphous, uh, you know, kind of tentacly uh, theme uh, that is so prevalent in uh, H.P. Lovecraft's and, you know, the, the various... Uh, surrounding writers who worked in the Cthulhu mythos, uh, very analogous to their work, you could easily draw elements from stuff like the Abolith. The Abolith, I think, is just an underused villain. They're just oh, so I weird. know. You know, they're just so weird. And, yeah, they and are very weird. I but think yeah, it'd be just, just really great to have them yeah. and mind flares and, and you know and 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 stuff like that. Oh yeah, and, I I actually was kicking around the idea of like, you know, mind flayers are actually, you know, they are minions of, of Cthulhu, uh, him itself. And, but there's a lot of other things. If you, if you're lucky enough, like you said, they have the deities and demigods with the Cthulhu mythos in there. You can incorporate that in your game. And there's so many other monsters like, Oh, like the, the Gibbering, Gibbering Mouther. Mouther. <laughs> um, Jubilex. Jubilex, uh, Let's see. What are some other ones? I mean, and even an owlbear is kind of creepy in 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 many ways, you know. Mm-hmm. Very um, much so. And you could incorporate. In fact, you could take that. Uh, you could take like abolis, mind flares, gibbering mouthers, uh, you know, ochre uh, jelly, and you could put all these various elements into a game, uh, uh, in, into uh, either a setting like the anomalous subsurface mm-hmm. or uh you could simply use blackmore yep. or you could use or you could also draw from gamma world you could tie all that together oh yeah you could That'd tie all that from together you can take like i mean when i was i'm i'm actually now thinking when i'm really going to get back to dming again i'm going to do a just a gonzo uh dungeon hex crawl thing with anomalous subsurface environment and one of the one of the adventures i'm thinking of putting in there is expedition to the barrier peaks because mm-hmm. i just think it fits perfectly oh yeah and i, I think- did find my notes on sanity when i was going to do my hyborian age one and what i did is to reflect like sanity i it's your intelligence plus your wisdom divided by two multiplied by five and that's your your sanity and what i was doing I'm thinking of doing is um, not only would you lose sanity for maybe viewing certain types of creatures, but you'd also lose sanity when you cast spells. Oh yeah. Well, what if you what if you translated sanity into wisdom? You know, now uh, so many people. You know, charisma's always been what they call the the dump stat. You know, I always hate that. Uh, but probably a close contender seems to be wisdom. A lot of well, people Well, that's like, why oh, I just... use a part of the sanity points stat. It's your intelligence exactly. plus your wisdom. So and it becomes even that much more just important. wisdom because you can have genius madmen. <clears throat> but if their mm-hmm. wisdom goes below a certain number... They're more or less just insane. Well, right. What so? What I did is, um, so you have, say, like you had a character with a twelve intelligence and a wisdom of sixteen. You you do all the math. He has seventy sanity points. So, 
Okay. What you would do is um, you would lose or you can lose or gain sanity back. You can gain sanity back, but you never go past that maximum of 70 that you started with. You never get more than what you started with. Um, One of the things I did is like, uh, like I said, with spells, you would lose sanity for casting them. And one of the one of the things that my my reasoning was because um, man is tapping into energies either divine or arcane beyond his ken. Such energies and knowledge extract a price, and the level of the spell is a number of sanity points it costs the caster. The exception is summoning monsters either from this dimension or another. In this case, sanity points are doubled on the caster. Binding spells like Spirit Rack and Exorcism also cost double as well. Hmm. And I also have uh, Turning or Controlling Undead costs one point of sanity per undead creature successively turned or controlled. So that would work. That so would that work. was yeah, that was one of the things I was thinking about. Not only that, but certain creatures you would lose maybe sanity uh, for for um, for losing, but. You may or may not lose sanity because your base sanity score, which is 70 for that one example I said, where your current sanity is, um, if you roll a percentile, if you make it above that, your base sanity score, you're okay. You're not going to lose any sanity. But if you lose, uh, you'd lose sanity points. So you can, and that's just some of the basics I had. You can pretty much pour it over the whole thing from Call of Cthulhu game to that if you want. So that was one of the things I was working on. So hmm. very and interesting. So, and, and that's I would one of the things I might do for my anomalous subsurface environment game. I think that would tie in really nicely. Yeah. Uh and and you know he had also mentioned the caller had also mentioned uh you know wanting to see more of the old school uh other types of games I was just gonna say a uh, little little promotion here, but uh, the Dead Game Society podcast, mm-hmm. which is coming out, we already have a couple episodes done. We are now also part of the Wild Games Productions, yeah. and that's yeah. all we're going to be talking about are those games that are out of print now and editions no longer supported, such as Top Secret, Gamma World, Marvel Superheroes. So exactly. Yeah. So if that's what you're wanting to hear about, I would highly recommend checking out the Wild Games' newest addition to its stable of podcasts, uh, which we should have the first uh, podcast up here uh, within the month. Cool. I think we were shooting for, what, 2000, January, around there? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, yeah, I guess I I shouldn't say within the month, but I should say, uh, you know, I would look for it in January. Yeah, the website built up and your feed going so that everyone can listen to a bunch of wonderful episodes. Yeah. So that was good. Good calling though. I, yeah, I, I like great. what he was, uh, I like what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. So let me get jump right into the emails we have here. Reach down in the, uh, the email bag here and, uh, cheap sound effects we have here. <laughs> <laughs> Cue crinkling paper. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, this one comes from Ed, and uh, he's just started listening to the show, so this is going to reference issue number 24 when we talked about gold for XP, Nick. 
Oh, let's go back in the Wayback Machine. Yeah. Hi, so I'm a new fan, and I've been listening every day at work and made it to issue number 24, and this is how I run things. Gold for XP is acquired by completing a task or a challenge, such as unlocking a chest, scaling a cliff, or swimming to the bottom of an underground pool. I would award for this because there's a challenge and a risk of PF, I'm assuming saying player, injury, or death. Uh, a gold piece can be found on the street, and I would not award for as there was no effort used to pick it up. Well, no effort used. Simple and satisfies satisfies both mindsets, Ed. Yeah, I guess you could do it that way. Yeah, that works good. You're right. Gold piece on the street, really not counted as an XP award. I don't use XP for gold anyway, so. I do, because it evens out everything. But you I, just I never give XP have... not so much for gold, but I, I, I and I, I do. By the way, I wanted to say I think his idea is interesting. Uh, I like his logic. You know, he gives it out when there's when there's something you did that warrants getting the XP. Uh, it's similar to how I do it, although I, I really. If 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 you're a thief and you successfully open or disarm a trap or open a lock, even if there was no gold in there, you would get more or less essentially the same amount of XP uh, as you would if there was a lot of gold in there. But I do see his logic of saying, you know, if you found a gold piece lying on the street and you picked it up, you know, that's pretty much a no-brainer. Uh, and you know, unless you've fallen and can't get up. Uh, that's that's you know there's no reason to award XP for that, but if you've done something you, within your class that you know is successful, then then sure I'd I'd give XP. I don't know if I would give XP, you know, as they list it, you know, uh, gold piece per XP or I don't, or I don't. how much XP you get for owning a magic item. Uh, I might give you that much XP for doing something as he was saying uh, successful within your your class uh, to get that magic item uh, but if you lost the magic item I wouldn't take the XP away from you I, I, I don't I don't I don't associate the XP to the item uh, I think I'm following his logic when I say I associate it mm-hmm. to the action that got you the item why not just let's see that, that's I don't know. The, the the XP for gold thing never made any sense to me. It just doesn't. Yeah, but think of it this way: it's 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 along the same lines, at least as I translate it, uh, to getting XP for killing a creature. If well, you get if you if you successfully, you know, if they put a powerful item in a inside a powerful locked box, I guess you would say, or or, or guarded it by with some inanimate object that's not a monster, but like a lock or a trap that is suitably powerful to guard this item, it's, it's, and you overcome that, you make your rolls against Aaron, or you outthink the trap, to me, that's the same as killing a monster. Well, see, it. that's the thing. I don't give... I give well, experience points for you know magic items, monsters killed and or defeated... Doesn't have to be killed. Could be defeated. Yeah. If you defeat the creature. What about monsters you run away from? No. No. <laughs> I don't know. I might give them some XP if they're smart enough to know when to run away. Well, maybe if they're... Well, so many don't. And I give for um, heroic deeds done, exceptional things done, and, and role-playing. I give out gold uh, 
quite a bit in my game, so I usually scale it down for every four pieces is worth one X point, XP point. Yeah. I like players to have money in my game so they can, you know, purchase things. Because it's a game. It's supposed to be fun. You're not supposed to be a poor porper in a game. So, it's supposed to have, be able to buy some stuff and survive right. a little bit. Right. Give uh, them a little jingle for their pocket. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, that, I'm not saying I'm stingy with any... Actually, I am stingy thing. with gold. I, I but uh, for, for monetary high. treasure, but as far as, like... I, it just does not translate in my brain how experience points uh, experience point equals to one gold piece. And it's for just, me, that's because you're associating the experience point to the gold piece. I'm associating, and I think the caller is associating, or the 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 poster is is associating the experience point not to the gold piece, but to the action that got you. The well, then award it for the action, not for the gold. Right, and that's what I'm saying. I that's do. what I'm doing. I think that's what he's saying. He does, and that's fine. But it's not really for the gold pieces, right? It's, so it's basically, he, you're, basically, you're using a gold standard to award experience points for doing extraordinary deeds, heroic deeds, and role well, playing. They did the gold for XP because the experience points for a lot of the monsters are so low. It was supposed to counteract and also help you level up. As far yeah, as... I tend to get around that one by I simply give them more XP for the creature. <laughs> if I, if I oh, think yeah. the XP amount is low for that particular creature. I guess it's the same way. I, I guess what, I understand what he's saying now, that he's using the amount of gold pieces equivalent to experience points for those things that were done other than the standard kill monster Get experience points. No, for, no. He's basically saying if you he's he's given gold for XP for things that you've done, not right. for just simply stumbling into gold. Right. That's all. Right. So like, you could actually have a box filled, you know, with thousands of GP. Now, as I handle that, if that box is unlocked and all you had to do was open the box and it wasn't, are trapped, you going to get five thousand experience points for that goal? I wouldn't give them five thousand experience points. Well, then that, then that, then there we are. That then that would be. That's why I don't but, like for experience points. But based on his situation, if I had a character that had a background that he was a poor person that begged in the street, and he found a gold piece, I would give him the experience for that. I wouldn't. Tough. No, I it would. Depend on how he found it. If he was a poor person who heard rumor that uh, you know that there was a rich dude around, you know, who lived around the corner, and and he thought it out and he figured out how to uh, you know get into that guy's house, and then you know basically fun. get some gold, sure. But if uh, if he just happened to you know, the guy walked by and felt bad for him and gave him a thousand gold pieces, I wouldn't really give no, him any. No, not that. No, 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 no. But yeah, it's something that we can re-go back into and do a whole show on gold for XP, because there's a lot to discuss about that. Mm-hmm. It's a contentious topic, too. Yeah, and uh, so now with Chad here, we can get some a different point of view of what happened, so. Even though he's wrong. <laughs> you can get the wrong point of view. <laughs> Act now. <laughs> Thank you, Ed. Counteracted by the right point of view. Which is mine. <laughs> Not. Anyway. Yeah, I'm just pulling your leg. Yeah. Okay. So thank you, Ed. Our last email comes from Ashley. Uh, he was uh, part of my gaming group local here in Texas. So uh, he played the obnoxious magic user we had in that group that was telling you about spindle shanks. 
Anyway, uh, great issue this past week on Magic users. I have been DMing more than playing lately, but it's always good to see Magic users get some press. On another note, love to listen while I drink my coffee at the local barista. I got many odd looks during the D&D cartoon segment when I shouted out in agreement, Yeah, bunk uni! Uni is the Wesley Crusher of D&D. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody that liked Uni. Does do you know anyone? Anyone? No, no. Yeah, I just wanted to see. You know, I've I've always wanted to see Bobby the Barbarian just go berserk and and kill Uni by accident. I wanted to see Uni get killed by Venger and like put her on a spit and like over a fire and eat her. But that's just me. I mean, I know Uni was supposed to be some sort of like comic relief, but it was just retarded relief. I'm sorry. It's it's not even comic relief. It was just. Yeah, it, it was their attempt to throw My Little Pony into the mix. Yeah. Yeah, Uni is the Will Wheaton of D&D. I'm going to change that up a bit. <laughs> Wheaton! Oh. Yeah. I still want to see Bobby the Barbarian go berserk, though, and start killing, yeah. start taking out his comrades. I still dig the show, all overall. I have a little nostalgia for it. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's nostalgia to it. I still like that show. It reminds me of back when I was a kid flipping through the channels first finding that show and saying, oh, cool, and then trying to find it every other week when it wasn't on. Mm. And the I thing- thought it was cool they had a skeletal warrior in one episode. They yeah. incorporated a lot of Fiend Folio monsters in that show. The Bullywugs, mm-hmm. Shadow yeah, they Demon. Used, they did too much of the Bullywugs, in my opinion, but uh, they got, you know, maybe one episode, but they were in every episode. I didn't understand, why did the Cavalier only have a shield? <laughs> what happened to his sword? Because a sword I, would be yeah. considered offensive, and we live in a it would have been correct a correct world. Yeah, yeah, but they, they kept it PC. But he had a bow that shot. I know electric I know. bolts. But it never actually really did anything to anything. Anybody. No, it bounced off everything. Yeah, and Bobby had a club that he crushed things. With. Well, mostly just crushed himself. The warrior shot the food. Yeah, yeah and Bobby never actually effectively used that club against another living object. I think he did Tiamat, though. Didn't he one time hit Tiamat with it? Yeah, he, oh, he, he might have right the twig and berries one time. Yeah, he hit a god with, uh, well, I should say a, a demon with <laughs> a little club plus one, probably. Oh, yeah. and they had a shadow demon in it. Yes. That's what I said. Shadow demon, bullywugs, yeah. skeleton warrior, what else? Oh, Loth is out of Fiend Folio. Loth was in there. They treated her like an encounter. Which yeah, I know. I'm like, she's but... down a dark alley? Yeah, she's just what? hanging out. Just hanging out, chilling, chilling. Did we ever like, do? Did we ever do a full episode on that cartoon or no? I'm just waiting. I'm so, just that awesome. would be good because I could just imagine Venger saying, "Hey, Loth, wait here, just back here. This is gonna scare the heck out of these kids. Watch this." <laughs> I just figured she was kind of broke, and so she'd taken up a job as a prostitute. <laughs> okay, we're getting a really weird area. Moving on. Okay. So, yeah, F. Uni. There we go. Yes. Well, thank you, uh, Ash. And uh, that does wrap up the uh, Sage Advice segment. If you want to send us an email, rfistaffgmail.com, or go to one of the various sites that I said at the beginning of the segment, or 570-865-4210, the hotline. Let's head into right. some table manners. Typical. Of all the evil creatures in the world, I'd like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I've spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. 
All right, here we are in Table Manners and kind of going with our holiday special theme. Dun, dun, dun. We're going to talk about elves. Oh, I thought we were talking about tacos. How's that have anything to do with this? Maybe it's Cinco de Cuatro, if you've ever seen. <laughs> the Christmas taco? <laughs> if you've ever seen yeah. Arrested Development, uh, Cinco de Cuatro. Is it anything like the Christmas poo? Uh, yes, actually it is. Mr. Hanky. Because if you go to Taco Bell. Idaho. Idaho. And the Christmas poo will show up later. Anyway, we're going to talk about elves, kind of dealing with the whole holiday theme here. And uh, But. Wait, are these the kind of elves that help Santa make toys? You know, that totally, Not quite. That totally sounds like a bad commercial line, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> these but are tell me actually, more. <laughs> these are actually the Grugash elves or the wild elves from World of Greyhawk. I, I want to jump in right away and just say I really like this. I really, really like this race and the breakdown that they had for it. I did too. I if a well the get started it was from Dragon Magazine issue one fifty five, kind of on the cusp in between first and second edition. So there was a, still a little bit of mishmash between first and second edition going on in Dragon Magazine. So a lot of the articles can be interchanged and used between the two editions. I really didn't see anything in the article that really clued me into much that it was second edition or not. But you know, they you could port it the first edition with no problem. But, oh yeah, yeah. Easily. Yeah. I, I thought I this thought was they a did great a good article. Job. You you could keep it pretty much the first edition, and the article on the Grugach, which of course are the wild elves, uh, written in issue one fifty five by Roger Moore, uh, who's written a lot of great stuff for Dragon. He he does a good job of pinning down about the Grugach. What? Eric Open did the Grugach. Yes, correct. Oh, was that Eric Open? Uh, yeah. You know what? Maybe oh. I'm looking at... Uh, You're looking at You're issue looking 60. Elfish. Oh, you know what? I was... Okay. I was looking at a note I had from issue one six, uh, issue 60, which is also focused on elves and is purely first edition. Yes. Uh, but we're talking about the Grugash right now. Right. And yeah, that straight. was Eric Open and that was 155. There you go. So a quick rundown. Uh, think of the Native American tribe when the white man came and took everything away from them. So he hated everybody. And now that's the way we're standing at. Think of them that way. They're wild elves that just hate everybody except themselves. Yeah, that's, I kind of got that Native American vibe from them as well. Yeah. That each tribe or, or clan is what it was around 50 members per tribe. And... Uh, like in now. the uh, what was it, the Monster Manual Two that they were in, they can't use they can't be magic users. They could be something, fighters. Yeah, something to do with their brain, and there's some type of chemical yeah, in their brain that won't allow sages. Them. Have, you know, think that there's something with their their brains. How their makeup is, they can't yeah. harness arcane magic. No, Nick. Although they can be druids. They yeah, can use druidic magic. When I was right. I'm, one part, I was remember reading and I was looking at it. Did they say that the high, the I guess the high ups, the people that lead the tribe, were they actually elves or were they just druids? Because that's well, no, they're elven confused. druids. They are okay. elven druids. Okay, because I wasn't sure because they kind of said they were just druids and they didn't say part of the tribe or not. So or now, I say I, from what I got from the structure of the of each tribe or clan is you. You're you're mostly based around fifty or some odd 
uh, people in the, mm-hmm. in the clans. And it sounds like also the clans tend to – they do intermingle somewhat. Some people go from one clan to another, maybe because of being an outcast, who knows? Uh, or maybe no. clans intermarry. Yeah, no, outcasts, you, you wouldn't be going to another clan. They, well, they well there is that, a way, yeah, like what Nick was saying. You could, I mean, they're extremely xenophobic. but Yeah, yeah. even of other clans. Right, but you could move. If you were Grugats or Wild Elf, you could move and join another clan, but it would be through marriage. And at yeah. that point, there's no going back. And what from I got from it is you have pretty much you have uh, Wild Elves who are fighters. There are some fighter thieves who mm-hmm. are kind of like these, they sometimes act as scouts, but they're the ones who set the traps for coming into their to their tribal areas. I saw exactly. that. They act as assassins and scouts. And yep. if you steal from the Grugach, you will trouble, probably buddy. be facing one of these guys. They will hunt you down like- and kill you. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> what's that. interesting, too, that you mentioned the traps because... Grugach have some fundamental differences with the other elves. I mean, mm-hmm. we've already mentioned the fact that they don't cast magic as as magic users, which right. is almost unheard of with with elves. But they can use divine magic, hence the druidic. They can use druidic magic, and they get a few other bonuses to compensate. They're, oh, they yeah. create traps that are ninety percent efficient. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, and, that, and they do two d six. A damage per level of the crater yeah. of the trap, which is pretty darn good. And so, you know, in the vein of of we were talking about how they are kind of like Native Americans, and, and that's certainly how they're viewed by the other elven uh, clans or, yeah. or strains, I should actually say. Uh, I mean, they're they're the they're the backwater relatives, uh, and, and and like that, they're very proud and and very mistrustful of of their other. Elven types, and they have tribe names that they're reminiscent of the American Indian too. Like mm-hmm. they could be the Purple Eagle Tribe, uh, or they could be the Orc Skull Forest Tribe. So mm-hmm. they have a totem that they center their. You know, I don't know if the if the totems centered around the tribe name. Obviously, I would think the tribe name centers their name around the totem of the tribe. But they have a totem. Uh, they're semi nomadic. Like you know, many of the American Indian tribes, they move around the forest. They may inhabit mm-hmm. one forest, but they move around depending on the season, and they don't get an easygoing, uh, laissez-faire lifestyle like many of the other elves do as they grow up. These guys work from day one to keep the tribe together. Yeah. I also, as far as like getting the, if you want to use a analogy like we're talking about Native Americans, particularly I would say their most closest analogy would be to not Plains Indians, but Indians of the, of the Northeast of the United States. The, oh, so the, you're uh, talking Mohican. Yeah. Or uh, the Mashantucket Pequots probably. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking more Apache every time I, I was reading them. To maybe be honest, a, maybe Apache, but I, I, I totally kind of. But I just though. think a, I, I just kind of because of being mm. a, a, a woodland environment that they live in, and if you look at Northeast uh, United States, particularly on the Great Lakes and mm. the uh, in New England area, that's heavily yeah. wooded. So I'm kind of thinking those sorts of tribes might be uh, the only reason good... I'm going to disagree with you, Nick. 
about the Mohegan tribe. The Mashantucka Pequots, I will agree with. But the Mohegan tribe, no, because being a person that worked for that casino and that whole tribe. Oh, really? Yeah, I worked for that tribe for over five years. Uh, they trusted other people, and they got their weaponry, their their food and everything from the white man. So, And they actually became good friends with the white man. So, no. Okay. The Mashantucka Pequots, different story. They were the ones okay. that trusted nobody. All right. What was the Indian tribe uh, down around uh, the Florida Everglades that, that I mean, oh, they uh, were... the uh, Seminole. Uh, no. Seminole. They, yeah. That's who I would probably yeah. be closest to, Seminoles. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they could disappear in their forest and, and be very hard to find. And, and by the way, I'd like to correct one thing I just said. Uh, I was confusing the uh, another extremely xenophobic group of elves, the Snow Elves, also found in issue 155 mm-hmm. and uh, detailed by David S. Raymer. Uh, they're the ones who have the 90% effective trap building skill. But uh, I could totally see the Grugach as being, you know, very similar. And, and, and it make perfect sense if you wanted to give the Grugach a similar ability. Well, if you read that description, it did say that most of them, by the time they go out adventuring, have known such, have been, um, what is it, uh, brought into the no traps so well that they'd be, have a step above just about any good thief on, in the in the uh, field. And most of them are employed by guilds as the trap master to teach others to oversee things. So, But now you bring up another interesting point, because if you do find one that is living outside of Grugach society yeah. and employing their thieving abilities in mainstream uh, society, then these are almost 100% of the time, uh, I'd have to say 99% of the time, you're talking about somebody who has been exiled from their own tribe because of their because they're thieves and not the kind of thieves that have been trained to protect the Grugach tribe's interests but they're just thieves and Grugach hate thieves they hate them a lot yeah they do but a lot of them tend to go that way yeah well and again it comes down to are they doing it for the tribe or are they stealing from the tribe yeah, and I also noticed that being also fighters, they don't consider themselves warriors, but more so hunters. Yeah. Only killing when they have to or necessary. So they're more, I don't know, they just felt like a really big ranger type class, perfect ranger type class. Yeah. And at the top would be your, I guess, your druids. Yeah. Yeah, what they found, definitely seem to hold the, the, the highest rank within the society. And what I found interesting in the article about that was even the, if you're working with level limits, they look upon even their, their, the uh, Grugash, they only could go so far as Druid. So they look upon other Druids from other races, either be human or, I guess, if you're using Ar- Arcana you know, Elvin or what have you, if they can go higher level than them, than the Grugash, they look at them as, I don't know, with awe, but with, with respect. Yes, respect, yeah. So. But yeah, that was so cool. if you were to meet a group of these guys and you had a druid in the party, it'd probably be best to let him do the talking. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially if there's humans and dwarves, as they don't really trust them because they feel all the dwarves are out to cheat them just as well. Mm-hmm. And they don't like gnomes at all. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. they actually had a. Uh, uh, I, I I think there was a saying, wasn't uh, where they were talking about uh, the only uh, the uh, you never trust say- an elf because they'll always steal from you. Yeah. Say, like they like they distance themselves from their own race. They say dwarves say the Grugash at least understand dignity, but the gnomes wouldn't know dignity if it came up and bit them. <laughs> yeah, and wasn't there one like uh, uh, was the only human who who didn't try to steal from you was one who had burned him burned his hand? Yeah, it, where is it? It said uh, about humans. Uh, there was an honest human once. If an object was red hot, out of reach, and fastened down, he wouldn't steal it. Yeah. <laughs> that sums it up right it there. It seems like Pretty it, much. only the halflings are the ones they kind of get along with. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not much respect, but it's a, but they mostly mistake them for small children, they said. Mm-hmm. Small human children, I should say. Right, and they're the, the Grugach are the shortest and smallest of all the elves. And, yeah. and they're actually, they, they look at this, you know, they, as not as a weakness, but they see that as a, as, as, as a strength because this is a group that does survive by being able to just disappear within the forest. And, and being hunters, uh, this, this helps them because they can slip much more easily through the dense forests that they inhabit because if you're going to find Grugach, you're not just going to go to any forest. You're going to go to a fairly dark forest. It, 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 you know, it's not like a little... The closest thing I, I could envision it uh, to being in literature would be in, in, the, in the Hobbit uh, when you see uh, Mirkwood, which has kind of a sinister reputation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would be in that kind of a forest that had a bit of a sinister reputation. Hmm. I also thought one of the best parts of the article was, you know, you talk about all these different things about the Grugach, the Wild Elves, and you're like, well, why would you want to play one? Well, right at the very end, there's several good paragraphs on yeah. how to role play one of these Wild Elves in in, uh, in a campaign with another group. And the, the examples they give, maybe your chances are you're your character, if you're playing a wild elf, is he is an exile from a tribe. So he maybe is an exile. Or another reason that he said maybe the tribe, for some reason that he is a part of, maybe is gone. Maybe they got wiped out by a plague, through war, or or something else. So maybe he's uh, the last oh, yeah. survivor of his tribe. So and Yeah, and I'd go so far as to even say a third option Mm-hmm. Uh, being that, what if, what if somebody stole from his tribe, or they took something very valuable from the tribe? And mm-hmm. the Grugach are very poor; they are the poorest of the elves. Uh, hence, they are so defensive uh, in dealings with their other kindred. But what they do have, they have to work very hard to get. And what they do have, they will. If you steal from a Grugach. They will try to find you. And maybe, and that kind of goes into the third thing, is maybe you're on a quest for the tribe. They exactly. Back that maybe it was a tribal totem uh, mm-hmm. that was stolen, and you are on the quest to get that tribe totem back. Or if it's you know either with 
you know, from the druids in the tribe or, uh, and they also talk about like there's secret societies within the tribe and various other tribes. And mm-hmm. you might be on a quest for that secret society too to recover something. You know? Yeah, I, I could totally see that. These would be very logical reasons why you could actually have a Grugach playing your party. Yeah. within your party. Now, I, I don't know if how good it would make for a long-term character. If I were running the game and yeah. you, know, you had achieved your goal, I think a lot of it would come down to having to take a look at the play, the character interactions during the course of the adventure mm-hmm. uh, because the, 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 the predictable outcome would be you retrieve your totem and you tell the party goodbye and mm-hmm. you go back to your tribe uh, and hope that they don't uh, start to ostracize you as <laughs> thinking that you become too much, you know, tainted by the outsiders. You're an outlander now. Exactly. And that brings up another interesting topic. Outlander! Well, they do, though. They see the uh, the Grigots have a very simplistic way of looking at the world. There are those within their tribe, and there are all the rest. Yeah. yeah. So if you're not of their tribe, you're an outsider. Mm-hmm. And okay. therefore, you're, you know, and they don't really differentiate beyond that. Well, it's respect the tribe first. Respect the other elves that are like them, the, the other tribes around you. Then maybe regular elves and everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I would look at it even as this. Respect your tribe first. Tolerate the other tribes. And everybody else is on their own. You've got to respect try the to family. Get they, do hold, they do hold elves a tiny bit higher than the rest. Regular elves. A tiny bit. That's what I got from it, at least. Yeah, I got the it from it that they back actually like a bunch of like... mafia bosses on them. Like you disrespected the tribe. I can't <laughs> let you back in. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I I see it though as uh, a, a, and probably would be my treatment of them that they view the other elves as no no better than humans. Uh, I mean, oh. th- if anything, they might even be a little bit more uh, hold a little bit more animosity towards the other elves because. They they're not just the poorest of the elves. They know they're the poorest of the yeah. elves, yeah. and they see the other elves. They're always looking for an insult. They're always looking for that you know uh, for that high handed attitude from their kindred. And mm-hmm. because of this, they really don't like the other elves because they think that they're they they think they get treated. You know, with the hi hat, you know they, they 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 people you know who who uh, who maybe know they're weak in one area or, or, or think about you know like your the poor relatives in your family who are always looking for an you know they they always think they're being uh, disrespected you know because of their station by the rest of the family. This is this is the Grugach. They 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 look at el the rest of the elves as 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 you know, treating them badly. Maybe there was something in the past when the elves were created and maybe it had something to do with the drow as well. Jealousy. That's what Possibly. it boils down to. Jealousy. That's all it boils down to. Just jealousy. Yeah, they're jealous. Yeah, I would, I would have to say that. It's one of those, you know, hidden jealousy things that they don't want to admit and it just became anger and hate over the years. Okay, I'll go with that. Yeah. 
just think about it. They can't cast yeah. spells. They're not treated the same. Well, what does it become? Jealousy becomes hate. Hate they becomes... Don't, they don't have the abilities, uh, the knowledge that many of the the other elves have. They're they're looked upon as the uh, as the poor, you know, backwoods relatives. And I don't know if they hate the other, you know, uh, I don't know if they hate their kindred, but they definitely feel like they've been slighted. It's a slippery slope where jealousy becomes anger, becomes hate, and then that leads to the dark side. There you go. Thank you, Yoda. That's right. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw so that in there. You have it. They really are a neat, uh, a neat branch, though, of the elves, yeah. because they are so different from now, the other. Now, I don't know about the little suggestion they had, like the last paragraph blurb, where it said maybe you can do a whole campaign based around the whole group playing that tribe or something. I don't know how you well that would a work. A long-term campaign, with, as so long as everybody was within the tribe, and you didn't mind keeping the campaign centric. It'd be yeah. kind of boring. I thought I was thinking. I to think myself. there you would. Yeah. Be, wouldn't you you'd eventually run out of things to do yeah uh but uh perhaps could you could do something with that you know maybe uh, a side campaign when players don't show up you have the other two three players make up side characters in the same world and do some things could be yeah, an idea. possibly yeah and only use them when say like players don't show up that's something mm-hmm. i could think of <laughs> yeah why not yeah, you, you could do something like that. I'm trying to think if there are any other. Well, this is interesting, too. Now, uh, one thing you could do, uh, if you have an exceptionally large forest, you know, like I think in, in Tolkien, uh, you know, they, he, he talks about how in, in Middle Earth, Merkwood is, is a remnant of what once was a continent-spanning forest. Yeah. Uh, all the way to the Shire, where they had the old wood, I think they called it. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the thing is, if you had, say, a campaign world where you had this massive forest that that, that spanned huge areas of the continent, uh, maybe a younger version of, of your world, uh, which they would fit in perfectly, uh, you could start do, uh, playing up the fact that they do form vendettas against other non Grugats tribes within their forest. Uh, and you might play that up. Hmm, good idea. Hmm. Of course, you could also uh, play up, you know, if, if you had such a forest, uh, it would not be a stretch of the imagination to assume that there would be connecting portions where their own uh, rural little kingdom uh, uh, connected to the domains of other elves. Mm. How would you, how do you think the Sylvan, the Wood Elves, would get along with with the Grugach? Perhaps Not that could be well. interesting. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, but I, I, either they got along or they didn't get along. But it would it would provide some room for for possible adventures and and, mm-hmm. and, and gaming. Uh, how would the you know maybe the maybe their forest borders a a, a, a meadow, you know, a large open area, uh, and there's a there are some grails who live out there, and the grails actually have an interesting slant on the Grugach because they view them as being the closest of all the elves to the original elves. Yeah, yeah, that's what they said in, the, in that article. It's like they're like the, one of the 
closest to the core race. Exactly. They walk closest to the gods or something like that. Which, you know, if you if you think about it this way, in, in issue 60 of uh, Dragon Magazine, they talk about the, the deities of the elves. And one of the things they mention is that elves have this view that they are direct kin to uh, Corallon Larathon or whatever his name Latherain is. or whatever his name is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so if you take the logic of how the Grey Elves view the uh, elven kinship to their god and, and how they view the Grugach, you you know, that brings up some questions. Then. Do they mm-hmm. view the Grugach as being very, you know, very much is, is how they see Corallon hmm. in some ways? You know, That's you interesting. Take their point. logic a step further, I guess I'm saying, but huh. and it raises some interesting questions. It does. If they think this, Absolutely. then how do they feel about that? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, there's stuff you could do, I suppose, uh, in a campaign wide. But you you you'd obviously have to have a campaign world that would support it, and and having one little you know dark forest <laughs> would severely cramp your campaign long term. Yeah, definitely. So maybe we should uh, wrap this up and move on to our DM rules. What do you think? I think that's a good idea. All right, let's head into some DM rules. And five, four, three, two. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, but are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. DM So DM rules this week, uh, I was kind of looking over things and figured since this is our holiday special spectacular. <laughs> no echo? No echoes? Come on. Spectacular. 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 <laughs> you guys suck. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, why not add a winter theme to your game? I mean, it's always fun. Maybe add a couple things and make it more like the season we're in. I mean, most people are in snow-stuck environments. Why not bring that into the game? Not every day is going to be a summer warm day that they're running around half-naked. So this is when you're going to actually break the crease on your wilderness survival guide, pull that off the shelf, dust it off, and use the cold and freezing rules in there to hopefully incorporate into your campaign. Now, I know we did a little segment on this a while back, but you know, mm-hmm. we don't have to go into too many details about it because it's not a very useful book overall in my games. I don't know. Nick, you don't use it at all, do you? I <laughs> very I rarely barely right? broke the spine on yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Chad, what about you? I've used it a few times. Uh, I, I, I like the rules they give on climbing, uh, like in mountainous areas, yeah. uh, I think there's some merit to the book there. Uh, you know, it's it's got some interesting rules on on what it's really like to go up a mountainside encumbered. Now, and a- depending on the, the the type of mountain you're moving up, you know, is it a gentle rolling hill, or is it like uh, you know the Himalayas? That's uh, where but I've-, I've used it for that. Not a whole lot more. Right. Well, yeah, use, other than that for the freezing cold rules. Uh, also, you can, just to emphasize how cold it is outside and how the lands are, you can always make your characters have dex checks when cro- crossing over frozen rivers or very icy hill areas. 
just to emphasize how bad it is outside. And then once you get out of the foresty areas and you get into town, that's a different story. You can have... Uh, oh, Nick is showing a link for the Greyhawk calendar. Nick, you yeah, want to I'll just talk jump about in? that in a little bit. Okay, good. So we'll talk about the Greyhawk calendar as well because a lot of people use the Greyhawk campaign. But when you get into town, you can actually make the town act like a normal town you see every day. What do they do during the winter? They put up decorations. They celebrate mm-hmm. the winter solstice. Maybe there's kids having snowball fights. Maybe their characters get involved in a snowball fight. Why not? It's fun. It's something to just, you know, out of the ordinary. Also, when they go into the tavern, why not have everything winterized? I mean, maybe the food is only was caught in the winter. Maybe yeah. the ale is like a special winter brew. Mm-hmm. You know, things to just spice things up. And then also, uh, supplies. You know, that general store owner is going to be like, oh, that blanket was normally 10, but now it's two gold because, uh, you know, high demand. Instead of being 10 silver, it's 10 gold. Sorry, I forgot to say silver. You know, there's always going to be those people trying to rip you off. Get into the spirit of the game with all this stuff. Now, Nick, you said you had some really good stuff that you found as well. Yeah, just kind of going with that theme that we were talking about, Vince, and like a, yeah. on a, a Yuletide kind of theme, maybe they're throwing your game if you're running something at this time of year or roundsabouts. Um, I did some poking around on the Internet, and I found someone who did um, a calendar for the World of Greyhawk campaign setting, and they did all the months of the year and all the weeks and where the phases of both the moons Luna and Selene are in and one of the things I found that might fit into a you know a holiday kind of Christmas type theme in the world of Greyhawk are it looks like maybe two holidays and this is in the month of Sunset on the 23rd there's a there's a um, holiday called Marywed, I think it's or Mariah Wed or whatever it's called. I think I'm mm-hmm. I think I'm pronouncing think, that right. I think Marywed's right. It's a parade of white costume followers led by a white robed person wearing a horse's skull singing seeing blessings at the doors of the village and are rewarded with treats. So this is I guess this is a holiday that's uh popular in uh Grand Duchy of Jeff, uh, Sterich, the County of Ulek, and Greyhawk. Mm-hmm. So, but the other one I saw that looked really close is this last one. There's Greyhawk. Kind of give a background for everybody. It's kind of the calendar was done by Gary Gaiax to be very simple. That every month had 28 days, so to be just straight up. But there's this one oddball week between. Sunset, which would be December, and Fire Seek would be January. There's this one week that doesn't fit into really all the months of the calendar. It's called Need Feast. So Need Feast is one week of just partying and having fun during this winter month. Uh, the winter months between Sunset and Fire Seek, basically between December and January. And on the Need Feast, they have this thing which it begins with murmuring. People wear disguises and try to remain unrecognized in order to celebrate the wondrous and strange effect that magic and magical creatures have in the world. 
Nevertheless, it should be noted that actual use of magic in such disguises is considered cheating and is frowned on in most areas. There's dancing, general carousing, and the high point of the parade and the performance of the murmurs, a play in which good and evil battle. Evil wins, but the youngest speaking child resurrects good and removes the evil from the bad actor. It is rare but not unknown for some members of evil cults to take steps at this point and vigilance is usually tight in larger cities. So there might be actual kind of role-playing adventure opportunity mm-hmm. there. You know, someone might be sabotaging the play. Maybe an evil cult is. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading this from the website. Mm-hmm. This was really interesting. One exception is the Empire of Ayas, which holds a variant play in which the evil lord fights good and wins. <laughs> this is usually enacted by having priests and ceremonial masks publicly fight, defeat, and then sacrifice a lightly armed prisoner amidst general rejoicing. So there's a whole thing on that. The rest of the holiday is devoted to general merriment, and the last night before the months are again counted in calendar is very special. This is the Feast of Unreason, which is honored by many diverse faiths, Bokob, Lydia, um, Ralishaz, Tritherion, just the name of some of the Greyhawk deities, and this is coming from the website. Uh, in general, however, the mode of celebration is same. Servants are promoted to the head of towns, villages, and even royal courts, where they preside over the feast duration. They orchestrate silly laws, like having farmers push their carts wearing only one shoe, which must be obeyed through to though traditionally they are followed about by a true authority. It almost sounds like a hazing kind of thing. Yeah which overrule any proclamations deemed to be disastrous. Popular everywhere, even in the Great Kingdom. Uh, it's a very popular Greyhawk festival known, colloquially known as Zagig's Feast. The Mad Archmage retains his distinction as the only actual ruler to be, ever be elected to preside at the festivals. And his influence could be still felt today. Mages report that their spells will occasionally misfire in odd and or humorous ways during this period. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. And um, and I guess also in this little art of, uh, part of the website about this uh, need feast is some places it's known as the Feast of Telcher. And this holiday honors Telcher's valiant battle in creating winter and celebrates the beginnings of winter's waning. Kind of like how what goes on during our Christmas season. It's like around the, the longest nights of the year, and you're and a, a lot of I know in mythology in the real world in Europe, particularly in like in, in England and in Scandinavia, is during that Yuletide feast we have a lot of there was a lot of light, candles, and the Yule log and the fire. And everything was also to hope. The, the appease the gods that the sun would come back in the spring. Yeah. So <laughs> that's kind of like playing upon that. And in, in fact, it even says on this uh, in a family's rec- a recital of the family tree, um, and they have dinner at home, uh, giving away a presents chain lighting of candles, singing and folk dancing, and it says the goal is to make the son feel like he is missing the fun, so he'll come back before it gets too cold. So this, that need feast 
in the world of Greyhawk. It's one week of of just of this festival. Yeah. Between what would be considered December and January in World of Greyhawks. There's a lot of good information here and there's all some other stuff you know in this website for the you calendar. You could tie in a nice little twist with that. I was speaking to, before the show, Chad, we were talking about the uh the, the pagan gods and how they snack on the sacrifices for humans. We were talking about that. <laughs> well, I did find that reference that I was talking about while Nick was talking about his thing. It actually oh, really? was Meadow Sweet was used. The uh the, the Vikings used it. The pagan Vikings used it. Oh, and okay. They put Meadow Sweet on doors of human sacrifices hoping to attract the pagan gods to come snack on these human sacrifices. And the purpose of that was give the sacrifice to the gods, they'll give us a good a a mild winter and a good spring coming mm-hmm. forward. They worshipped old man winter and hopefully old man winter would be appeased by this, so anytime you saw Meadow Sweet on the door, that would be the sacrifice. So that kind of could make into a creepy campaign when the players come into a village or a, maybe a town, and they see all this weird Meadow Sweet. They wouldn't know it's Meadow Sweet, but all these weird plants on the doors of different people, and one by one, these people disappear at night, and no oh. one seems to really care about it. You know, it could be cool, uh, okay. cool Christmas type investigation adventure going yeah, on. Yeah, there you go. And I like yeah, the thing I about totally see that. Yeah, they yeah, don't understand it. Yeah, so a maybe they type adventure. So the players don't understand this, and maybe they decide that you know this is not right, and they go against the village, and then the villagers will go against the players. It could be a whole big thing going on. Or you can have like the, the one I was talking about, where there's that play where good defeats evil, but maybe the. E- Maybe maybe it's in the city of Greyhawk or some other city. Maybe that one of the evil cults sabotages the play, and evil actually wins. And maybe not just sabotage the play, but they they do something to where the maybe the adventurers have to investigate which cult did this and why and where are they getting out of it. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can basically make a little, little adventure based around that. You can even go as far as doing some of like looking up Christmas superstitions to mm-hmm. add that into your campaign by doing things such as people leaving their doors open uh, after midnight on Christmas Eve to let all trapped spirits, evil spirits, out of their house and into the air. And they say things like dogs howling on Christmas Eve are fated to go mad by the end of the year. Some oh, really yeah. good Christmas yeah. oh, superstitions. God, here's yeah. another good one. Yeah, uh, d- just popped into my head. Hogfather, Discord. Uh, Hogfather is be awesome. <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Mike? Oh, it, it, it well, there's um, it, you know uh, the 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 Discworld series of books. One of the books is called Hogfather, mm-hmm. and um, it's basically the Discworld's analogy of Santa Claus, Father Christmas. And uh, you just have to read the book. And, you know, it's like the hog father, he comes to the kid's house, leave presents, and the, the children leave him, uh, you know, uh, uh, pork meat pies and a glass of sherry, which if I was hog father, that would be awesome because I love sherry and, and, and like, shepherd's pie. But anyway, that's <laughs> um, like their world's analogy. And what happens is, there is a I forget who it was, but there's these um, auditors of the universe who 
want to get rid they they like run everything in like clock like precision and they don't like anal you know anomalies like the hogfather in the universe because they're outside of their realm of control so they want to do away with the hogfather and there's like this whole story about how they got to get the hogfather back now maybe you can in- incorporate also anti claws too i was just thinking about that thinking of christmas themes because uh-huh. we know Anti-Claws, uh, Anti-Claws actually no, also known as uh, Nimrod, were from, um, forget the folklore that's from, is that Asia maybe? Maybe around there? Yeah, Nimrod was uh, actually a, uh, he was a ruler, I thought, from uh, uh, Hungary. Wasn't that, okay. I thought he was a Hungarian tyrant. But he went around um, causing chaos and stealing children that, to basically uh, fulfill his whim and it mostly went after evil children so but I mean I'm not sure how the legend I can't think of it offhand I'm looking for uh, it's actually is it Krampus actually is what it was or Krampus oh you know what Nimrod I'm sorry he was actually uh, he was uh, the great grandson of of Noah yeah great grandson Uh, of Noah uh, the son of Cush and the great grandson of Noah. Uh, he was the king of Shinar, which Shinar, being uh, Hebrew, uh, is biblical geographical locale of uncertain boundaries in Mesopotamia. So, yeah, he comes from a long time ago. Mesopotamia. So what you could do in incorporating with the whole uh, meadow suite, you can also have the town offering up sacrifices of children just to keep him appeased as well, and maybe not the players have to deal with that as well. Two oh. things going on at once. There you go. Oh, yeah, totally. My idea of doing something for with a Christmas theme was, uh, and, and it kind of keeps in the line of uh, what we were talking about earlier with elves, uh, was I thought it'd be kind of fun to do something with Norse mythology, uh, but perhaps dealing with uh, the god two of the gods actually Frey who is the god of the elves or the Vanir uh, and then there would also be an element of uh, say you know something to do with Balder and the mistletoe that can be is the only thing Balder can be killed by and what if the party is is told is sent on a quest to stop the agents of Loki from from fashioning this uh, this mistletoe uh, weapon to assassinate Balder. Uh, you know, I'd have to actually sit down one weekend and, and really formulate this out. But I just like the idea. I've always liked the idea of, of the Norse elves, and uh, I and, and it, for a Christmas theme, I like the idea of mistletoe. Uh, and of course, that makes me think of Balder, and that brings in Loki. And when you get that mixed together, there's got to be something good that can be written that can incorporate all of that. I think that might be something interesting to do. You could turn it into a mystery type, like what you guys were mentioning earlier. Uh, you could turn it into a dungeon crawl. Perhaps they have to track down the agents of Loki. Uh, you know, and 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 stop their plot, and to do so, they have to go into maybe Jotunheim or or the land of the giants, uh, where Loki is. Uh, you know, has family, 
uh, because Loki was half giant. Uh, but you could do something with that. Uh, you could possibly even incorporate something maybe uh, from the, against the giants into an mm. adventure like that. But uh, yeah, tying in mistletoe, the Norse gods, giants—I think I think there's something you could do with that. Yeah, there's a lot of good ways you can incorporate the whole winter solstice events. Um, mm-hmm. Another reference you can definitely mine for ideas. Remember the TV show Xena and Hercules? Oh yeah, they la, had la, 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 la. <laughs> yeah, they had quite a few episodes that were based around the winter solstice celebration where they actually had the Christmas trees up and how they celebrated it in the, I guess that would be the Greek mythology. So it's just something you can mine for ideas if you still, if you have access to that show. It is on Netflix, so you can always just look up those episodes. And if you can bear the TV show from 20 years ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> I tried, seriously, dude, I tried watching it. Because that used to be my favorite two shows, was Xena and Hercules, every, what was it, Saturday or Sunday? I went back and tried watching a couple episodes. I'm like, dude, how did I stay awake during these episodes? <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I never got into those shows. I just, I never could get in. I had a roommate who was into it, uh, but I could never really get get into it. I like Lucy Lawless. Or what you could do is also wow. grab the. Uh, <laughs> you can all jeez, Nick. You can always grab the uh, Hercules and Xena game by Wild. Uh, uh, Oh, West End Games. I was going to say Wild Games Production. Yeah. <laughs> By West End Games. It was a horrible system, but the uh, the fluff and the actual background is a great uh, great resource tool. Well, I know Colin actually runs that game. Does at he? Conventions. Yeah. Has he, he modified the system? Because uh, it's just he's gotten I, some uh, good reviews. And and again, I think that ties in. I think I'd mentioned this in the past. I'm a big I'm a big believer that the system is you know if you have a good time or a bad time in a game. Obviously, there's an element of the system there, but I think to a large degree, it also comes down to the person running the game. You can have a person who knows that game and can really spin it good, Mm. and then you can have a game where the guy just doesn't really know how to tell a story. You may walk away blaming the system. I've seen those. It just, to to me, well, I don't want to get into this. That's something for Dead Game Society, so we'll just... (laughs) We'll just leave it at that. I'll let you do it on your show. Another topic for you, Chad. Hey, all right. (laughs) We'll add to your your docket for uh, things to talk about. Works for me. In fact, you'll have Nick and I on both, and we'll talk about it there. How's that? We will do that. I know nothing of the game. Good. Stay with us. Yeah, I actually haven't played it myself. I just know from hearing people who have been in his game that they they've enjoyed it, and I think a lot of them were rather surprised that they did. I I think it was more so because of the way he runs his games, because he runs his games really well. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. I mean, all you folks at Dead Game Society run your games very well. I mean, they're very well detailed, very well. planned out there's no like you know ifs end or buts the game's done this way it's presented wonderfully i mean you guys dress up well mostly michael does but... well michael, does, michael. <laughs> yeah i wore fez last year to do a doctor who game but well, that, that, that goes without saying it's doctor who you gotta wear a fez yeah doctor who and fezes are cool that's right so are bow ties <laughs> you know it but anyway that so you guys you you are well prepared you do it but they're, they're you know that's why the games are so fun I would think if you were going to play a weekly game of Hercules and Xena, you'd probably want to shoot yourself in the head. Yeah, you know, and and for me, like I said, I never got into those shows. So it's not a campaign I would probably enjoy just because the subject matter, it's based around a show that I never really enjoyed. 
But yeah. you never know. I might sit down and maybe call him to run it for me one time, and and I may have a great time just because you know he's running it, uh, and 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 he does know how to to run a good game. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as far as you know how the system is, you know I don't I don't know. But uh, I I think you could definitely you know I think they had Christmas episodes on that show. They did. It'd be like you know Nick sitting down playing a game of Buffy the Vampire Slayer with me. You probably never watched the show, but. Nah, yeah. Unfortunately, the, the the TV show was a lot different than the movie. I was I was all about the X Files and, and the mm. show. Uh, I'm actually getting my daughter into now is uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker. Oh yeah, oh, God, I forgot about that show. Those Great were, that was show, you know, man. Kolchak the X Files. Those were the shows that I tended to watch. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and we went off on a tangent. Yeah, that usually happens on this show. And that means we're probably done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I would uh, I would just say, uh, you know, we talked a lot about the Grugach today, and we talked a lot about some great ideas for Christmas stuff, and, and there's a lot of other elves to read about and a lot of ideas out there to do for your Christmas campaign. You bet. Yeah, so there's always the Rolaid supplement for elves. You can pick that up uh, for probably less than five bucks on Amazon if you look it up. I don't want to kill my audio feed to do that right now. So Nick, if you can do that real quick, just to see how much it is. Oh, uh, for the elves supplement. Yeah, the Rolaid elves supplement, just so people have an idea. Uh, the, the Rolaid's elves supplement was kind of interesting too because yeah. they they. They, you know, uh, the the Mayfair Rollades, they they usually put a different spin on things, and mm-hmm. uh, the Elves supplement was no different. Uh, they, I like how they, the High Elves, in, in by you know traditional D and D terms, High Elves are probably the most common Elves. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the Rollades uh, supplement, they're really more when they say High Elves, they're really talking more about Gray Elves. From D and D, and the Grails exist in supplement too, but they seem to be more like the High Elves. I found a Rolaids Elves on eBay for about six fifty. Yeah, so there you go, six fifty on eBay. Probably similar prices on Amazon. Uh, Noble Knight, I know, sells it, but uh, I think you'll be paying a little bit more yep. than that. And I also put in our show the links, uh, the link to that uh, Greyhawk calendar. Just uh, do me a favor and email that to Matt when you have a moment. Sure. So he can uh, put that in the show notes for everybody to love and enjoy. And if you really want to tie elves with Christmas, play the snow elves from issue 155 of Dragon Magazine, an equally xenophobic strain of elves. Yeah, but very tall. (laughs) Yeah, they're related to the valley elves, who are in turn said to be related to the gray elves. Uh, but uh, you could definitely do a Christmas game incorporating the snow elves, but you might run into, in long term, you might run into the same problems you had with doing long term with the Grugach. Yeah, definitely. Did they ever do any stat-ups just as a little silly joke for Christmas for about Christmas elves? I know they did Santa Claus, but did they ever do his elves? Probably just leprechauns. Just leprechauns, yeah. You could probably substitute leprechaun stats or or, or brownie stats or, or you know something like that. Yeah, just you could even use. I mean, technically, when the more I think about it, they're really gnomes. Yeah, that's true. Building toys, little gnomes, laughing singing, and playing hygiene, singing la la la. 
Oh, wait, that's smart. No, those are smart. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess on that note, I guess this is going to be a uh, keep it original, keep it old school, and keep it Christmassy. Mm. Good night, everybody. I think that's good. Yeah. Yes. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year to everybody. Yeah. Happy see you holidays, next year, Happy New Year. May your next year be full of gaming goodness. Yes. And well said. RFI will be back next year with new episodes, starring Chad. Hey! The Roll for Initiative podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative. Roll for Initiative.